there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to another episode of King of the Ride podcast. Ted King here on the mic, featuring Leah Davison on the other mic. And by mic, I mean earbuds. Earbuds connected to computers, since this podcast is keeping up with the times. Specifically, by that I mean, number one, we are keeping up with our social distance ordinance and staying very far apart, guest and host. And number two, it means King of the Ride is now a video cast. This is episode number three in the COVID-19 questions. Now, now I'm considering the idea of ditching the COVID part of that title and just calling it 19 questions. Perhaps that's a little more PC, that perhaps that's something that I could take into the future after a global pandemic. We will see. Uh, also, we are, we are continuing to tidy up the audio quality since these are not face-to-face conversations with super quality mics. Have some patience. The content is high in quality, so you will enjoy it regardless. The format of the show is 19 questions are being delivered to our guests. I might ask all 19 of them. I may not. We will see. Welcome to the 19 questions with professional mountain biker, Leah Davison. Leah is an absolute ripper, two-time Olympian, second place silver medal at the UCI Mountain Bike Professional Women's World Championships. That was 2016. No big deal. She also has a bronze medal from the 2014 World Championships taking place in Norway. She is currently gunning for a spot at her third consecutive Olympics, Tokyo 2020, which of course is now Tokyo 2021. The season has been derailed, as we all know. And as you're going to gather from this conversation with Leah, she is as beaming with optimism as they come. Now, now when we jump into this conversation, we are already deep into the weeds. You see, Leah and I have known each other since way back in 2001. That was both of our freshman years at Middlebury College. That's right down the road from where Leah grew up. It's down the road from where I live right now. That was quaint little Middlebury, Vermont. So for the first 15 minutes of this conversation, we, we are getting caught up on our, the favorite routes that literally go by my house right now. We're going to talk about how my closest next door neighbor, whose sons grew up skiing with Leah, he has therefore spent countless hours freezing his tail off on a ski hill watching his sons ski with Leah. So for everyone's sake, I've skimmed over the, the very early parts of this conversation. Please excuse, however, any other parts of this conversation that can only occur when you're, when you're hosting a podcast with someone who you've known for two decades. We're going to catch up on where she is at in this very obscure Olympic year. Leah was a collegiate D1 skier, which is where this conversation is going to begin. Talking skiing in her upbringing here in Jericho, Vermont right down the road at Cochrane Ski Area. We're going to explore her past, her present, her future, covering things from her favorite fueling techniques. We should point out that Leah's Instagram name is Leah Eats A Lot, to how anything, literally anything, can become a salad, how she and her sister Sabra started the incredible Little Bella's mountain bike program. Okay, no more cats out of the bag. Let's save it for the nitty-gritty for the podcast. Switching gears a little bit before we jump in. Just a quick heads up, the DIY Gravel Initiative, this idea that I started two weeks ago, this idea that we are going to celebrate events that are getting pushed further down the road, further into a nebulous calendar, it is taking off like gangbusters. 
We are now into the second edition. After having completed a smashing Rasputitsa two weeks ago, we're now on to DIY Belgian Waffle Ride. I just wrapped up my 140-mile ride literally two hours ago. I am smashed as I record this. More than 1,000 people have joined DIY Gravel in just two weeks. So long story short, if you are interested in riding bikes, if you are interested in joining community, if you're interested in winning prizes, or at the very least, receiving some awesome promotions unique to those folks who are participating, long story short, head to imtedking.com slash DIY Gravel, plain and simple. That is it for here. That is it for now. Thanks very much for listening, folks. Please enjoy this conversation with Leah Davison. So let's pretend that you're not living in Richmond and Jericho and like you're observing this conversation right now. We're talking to Leah who lives, who, who grew up in Jericho, which is, as I point, Jericho's right there. Um, yep. <laughs> and then as I'm sitting in Richmond, you're sitting in Southern Vermont as we, as we yeah. talk right now. Um, yep. how about when we talk about like a generation, you know, like a generation of cyclists, I feel like my generation on the roadside, you always talk about it within like a year or two or maybe three. And then like that totally. next generation is either three, way three years old or younger. Is it the same yep. thing in skiing? So when you're talking about, path, yeah. Okay. So it's even tight. like closer, I think, because it's like in two-year increments Ooh. where you like move through the ranks. Gotcha. And so, yeah, I think it's even like tighter than that. You're you're pretty much in the same high school class, like the same age. Okay. Yeah, we're going. We're throwing it way back. I'm giving you like some like Richmond roots, Jericho roots education. No, it's perfect. It's perfect <laughs> history. Yeah, I mean, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I think after a, a, a global pandemic, people are like going to be migrating to the rural parts of the country more than ever. Like no one wants to be yeah. in the city now. Like Richmond no. looks awesome. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, tell me about skiing was a big part of your upbringing. Cochrane Ski Area yeah. is like the coolest way to develop skiing world. Yeah. I mean, it's the ski hill you talk about. You spend more time skiing there than I have. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, I'm pretty sure it's, now it's the only nonprofit um, ski area in the country. No kidding. And um, it's it's like owned and operated by the Cochran's family, which is like they're a legendary Olympic ski family. And Barbara Ann Cochran has an Olympic gold medal. Um, like the Cochran family, that first generation were like my coaches, you know, they were our coaches, ski coaches growing up. And the cool thing that, um, like growing up skiing at Cochran's is it's, I don't know, it's three trails at best, yeah. two trails. They didn't really have grooming when I was there. They, there wasn't really snowmaking. Mm -hmm. And so we would like train for the day. And then we would have to slip back in the snow to the ruts that had developed. Whereas like usual at any ski area, like the groomer just comes back, you know, back by and like smooth it out. But we had to actually do it because we would ski <laughs> down to the grass. Like yeah. a lot of the time down to the grass. 
And it was, it's just like skiing at its most pure form because there's not much else to do other than like run gates and have fun and ski. And sometimes we would like go onto the logging road and like Mm -hmm. ski in the woods. And Mm -hmm. it was a blast. I'm like, it provided like the most solid foundation for like becoming an elite level pro athlete. I think like it's a lot of, it played a big part in my upbringing for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I describe it to people like the mountain is its own babysitter, you know, like Mm -hmm. kids get dropped off there after school and because there's literally two and a half trails and they all funnel to one thing, like you can't get lost. Um, there's there's a rope toe and and one small lodge like there's literally yeah. nowhere to go and yeah know, everybody knows everybody so like if you're a little crap you're gonna get slapped upside the head and say all right get back in line um, yeah it's like the original unpretentious community like sure. there's nothing like I mean skiing is very pretentious like intrinsically but like Cochrane's is none of that it's just like Vermont uh-huh. in the best in the best form. And I don't think, I don't know if they're still doing it, but we used to gather at the end of the day at the top of the mountain and like the mountain runs down. And then like the lodge is on this big like hill at the top of this big hill. And so we used to do something called the bombing run, which is tucking straight down the mountain and going as fast as you can and then making it up as far as you could up this hill. Uh-huh. But like one year we had a reunion and I can't, was it Robbie or Ryan who are like both on the U S ski team now, like Ryan's right, right, an right. Olympian. He, it was so icy and fast out that day that like, so the hill goes up and then it's like stairs and a little like steeper hill and then a flat like part to the lodge. Yeah. And Ryan came flying in so fast and he went up this hill and it launched him and he went through the picture window of the lodge oh and like landed on a table, like one of the lunch tables. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that was the last day of the bombing run or not. It might have been. Uh, bombing was, was subsequently removed from the end of the day activities. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Well, Pretty amazing. It's goofy. Uh, yeah, I think not much has changed. It's obviously generational being in the Cochran family. Um, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Cochran is basically running it. He is. He's yeah. got a. He's got a pretty awesome metal shop where he's working on the snowcats and the snow machines. Totally. It's downstairs from Lil Bella's, and but like, yeah, Barbara yeah. Ann, Olympic gold medal winner, is still teaching. Yeah. Like it is yeah. as unpretentious as it gets. Also, to our un- unbeknownst listener viewer. When we say mountain, this is a a very large hill. I mean, like folks in Florida would call yeah. it a mountain, but I mean, it's like three times the height of a typical house. So, yeah, exactly. It ain't big. It's uh, not big at all. So, are you a, are you a lifelong skier? Like growing up in Jericho, that's probably how far away were you? Ten minutes, fifteen minutes? Yeah, Staff. ten minutes. Um, yeah. And was it just? Was it that, like your parents said, okay, we're here in Vermont, it's time to learn how to ski? Yeah, my, no, I was, uh, I learned how to ski before then. So I think my skiing, especially my mom, like since she was pre-Title IX, she grew up in New York State, like upstate New York. 
And like skiing was really the only thing that she could do and cheerleading. And so she just loved it. You know, she's very competitive. So um, yeah, she just skied. And I think we like that love for skiing was passed down to us and, and we moved to Vermont and it was her like, also her dream come true more than we lived in Pennsylvania before that. So we used to like drive an hour and a half, two hours to the ski hill. And she taught, um, my sister and I had a ski. Um, I think my dad did too, but like my mom is, was really the big skier. Like she taught my dad how to ski once they like got together. Uh But, um, yeah. And then she was like, all right, great. Cochran's is right here. Like, let's do this. And we were there all the time. And finally, um, one of the Cochran's came up to us and they were like, yeah, you should put your kids in the racing program. And I remember my mom like sing, sitting us down on the couch and being like, okay, you're going to try this. And we're like, no, we're scared. And so yeah. she rode up the T-bar with us for like, and that lasted for like two <laughs> runs. And then we're like, later, yeah, we love this. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I love skiing. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do, whether it's like Nordic skiing. Now it's more Nordic skiing and sure. I use it for like cross training, but I love skiing in all forms. Yeah. Um, you can appreciate that. Oh, completely. I mean, I, yeah, I grew up downhill skiing nonstop. I never was a part of a race program, but you know, I'd ski yeah. 40, 50 days a year. Um, I, I loathed, Nordic skiing and now a total appreciation <laughs> for it. And I'm like, man, I can't believe yeah. I, I wasted so much time at other points in my life, not Nordic skiing. I mean, it's such a, it's, yeah. a, and that's, that's as wholesome as it gets too. I mean, Sleepy Hollow just right up here. It's oh, like, so awesome. Oh, so good. And then it also yep. makes you appreciate how freaking expensive Alpine skiing is when you can do like, oh my gosh, season yeah. Nordic pass, a hundred dollars. I know, like can one day of Alpine skiing. Oh, it's unreal. Yeah. So I imagine it was probably at a UVM race weekend that I've, I've stayed at your parents' house with you, your sister, probably a couple other people from the Middlebury cycling team. Yeah. Um, (laughs) you're, you mentioned your mom, your mom has fans when she goes to races, like she's got energy. Uh, Yeah. And like you said, this is a, she has a presence. She's got a presence, which is so awesome. Like, yeah, maybe this is too broad of a question, but what's it like growing up in the Davison family with two daughters? Oh, I, yeah, I think it was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom and my dad, they're, they're like the ultimate, um, like they'll, they always encourage us to go for it and like go for, anything. So I think because of that upbringing that my mom didn't get a lot of opportunities in athletics, she just wanted to throw my sister and I into like everything possible. So we, we did everything. I mean, sailing lessons, windsurfing. I did swim (laughs) team for a summer, which was a disaster, like running, uh, soccer, softball. I mean, anything she could put us into, I mean, they could put us into, we would do it. And then also like, um, at most things were a competition yeah. in the Davison household between <laughs> Sabe and I. So like we would be say like some corn needed to be husked for uh-huh. dinner. 
we would each have like a pile of corn and we would run to the compost pile and husk the corn <laughs> and then like run back and get the next one. And it was like whoever could do it the fastest. So that is outstanding. It was, yeah. It was What's, really fun though. What is the age difference between you and Sam? Two years. Okay. I'm older. Yeah. Yeah. That competitive spirit runs high. I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you went, fast forward, you and I meet when we were at Middlebury College. So right down the road yeah. from you, did you apply all over the place? How'd you end up at Middlebury? Um, no, I actually like had chosen a couple of schools. So I actually did early decision one to Dartmouth. Oh, no kidding. And yeah, and I got um, waitlisted, and then I really same, same here. The same? Yeah. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit classic of a exactly. story, though. I think but there's a lot it, of that. It happened so for a reason. Like I visited Middlebury, I immediately loved it. I stayed with. Um, I like ran cross country for the first year at Middlebury, so. I stayed with some girls from the cross country team and they end up being like some of my best friends at Middlebury. So no wonder I like absolutely fell in love with it. So then I got waitlisted. So I applied early decision two to Middlebury and got in. Thank goodness. Yeah. And you were, <laughs> you were a reg at Middlebury, right? Like I, I was yeah. a, okay. mm-hmm. um, you skied at Middlebury. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All four years. Yeah, I tore my ACL, like, uh, what happened? I skied, like, on the carnival team freshman year, went great, went to NCAAs, and then, like, the last race of the season, I tore my ACL. And so then I, yeah, it was brutal. And so then I redshirted that next year, and then I I skied, like, the next two years, and I was, like, the captain of the team, but um, I, I never really, like, got back to the same level that I was skiing. So I think that kind of like nudged me into like, you should be mountain bike racing. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, how does that interweave itself? Because you're still, you're, you're racing a mountain bike at a national international level. How do you, Yeah. I guess like backtrack prior to that, when you get into cycling? Yeah. So um, it was when I was in high school, mainly, um, like Dan Dabrowski, who is uh, Amy Dabrowski's like brother, he mm-hmm. got me into it. So we we nice. grew up like, I don't know, three miles apart, went to the same high school. And he was like, hey, you should stop running around in circles on the track and you should try out this mountain biking thing. And I like immediately fell in love with it. So we just, the three of us, my sister Dan and I like traveled around in this little truck like around New England and did all these like fun mountain bike races, but we're also running cross country too. So we would like train for mountain biking and also go on runs. And it was just like a blast. And then senior year, I did like my first Norba national, which was like, you know, the U S cup back in the day, like the national series. And I, as a junior and I won And like someone from USA Cycling comes up to me and says, hey, you won this race, so you've qualified for world champs. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Cool. (laughs) World champs for this? (laughs) Okay. Man. So I actually, that's like world champs was September before like the September that I'm going to Middlebury. And so 
in, during orientation. So it was in Vail, Colorado. Perfect. So I'm oh, like, that was a big year for USA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm like at this altitude training camp. I show up with like a road bike with down tube shifters. That's what I had. My uncle gave me this bike. And everyone's like, what in the world yeah. is this girl doing? And then I like had to fly back home in order to start Middlebury on time for one day of orientation. Brutal. And then I flew back and raced um, world champs and then came back and started at Middlebury. But yeah, it was wild. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I like yeah. raced world champs with a camel back on and I took fees. I was like way hydrated. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I didn't know you needed to be at the start like call up boxes like 15 minutes before the race. Yeah. So I didn't get a very good warm up in. Oh, you know, I'm just used to like these like local races, but it ended up I mean miraculously I came in seventh and it kind of like launched the rest of my life, like my cycling career. So it was like pretty crazy. I can picture, I'm picturing you rolling up on the start line. All these people with like their swaneurs with the umbrella and you're like, yeah, it's not raining. What's wrong with you people? (laughs) Exactly. I'm a camelback on. Like I, I had like a trek, 3,000 or 5,000. I can't remember what it was called. Like it was, yeah, they, they put on like a special new rock shock fork and I'm like, whoa, this is pretty cool. That's the next <laughs> level. So, I mean, going back to that Norbert national, what, yeah, w- with what team were you racing? Was that just like under uh, Jericho mom and dad Davison? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But Earl Cyclery. So it's, nice. still, it's like, yep. yeah, it's a bike shop that's still there, but they like gave us our start. Like sure. we went up there and we're like, hey, we want to be on your team. And yeah. they're like, okay. Well, like they gave us a jersey. That's there perfect. we go. <laughs> yeah. And then, so how are you balancing that going through college? I mean, you, you and I would do a handful of collegiate races together. Yeah, in the fall. I was, I got into cycling in college. You have maybe a year prior, but like already in college, you're racing national team. And I'm like, I'm an aspiring cat too. So, (laughs) uh, like, how is We had fun though. (laughs) Oh my God. Collegiate racing is the greatest thing ever. I think it's. It really is. It's it's so fun. Perfect entry. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what, what, what? Here's a goofy question, which will ultimately get. Yeah. Me, what did you end up majoring in? Environmental studies. And did you think that you were going to use that degree, or did you know that when you graduated, you were going to race a bike? <laughs> yep, I knew it. Like that was the goal. Okay. As soon as I like, why'd you pick a hard degree? You should have picked like geology. <laughs> I know I shouldn't have picked all the labs. That's yeah. for sure because it uh. it was focused in in conservation biology, so it was a lot of lab time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, no. As soon as I found out, like, oh my gosh, there's a world chance for this. Like, people do this for a living. Yeah. There's an Olympics. I'm like, I'm sold. This nice. is what I'm doing. Like, I'm putting everything towards this. But of course, like, I wanted to get an education, but like, it was all you know, all things focused on 
um, yeah, becoming a pro. So I, I mean, luckily the race season is in the summer mainly. And I got on uh, Team Devo, which was like kind of a like premier level junior race team, junior and U23. And we traveled around. It was kind of in the heyday, you know, at the end of the heyday of mountain biking. And so we had like my sister and I were on a team with like 18 junior boys. That's what I was going to say. Like, how many women are on the team? This is like an Adam Craig of, uh, and Walker Ferguson. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is the hitters. Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot of talent for sure. Willow Corber was on it. Her sister was oh. on. Willow was it. Uh, we didn't overlap, but her sister, her younger sister, overlapped. Yeah. It was, there was definitely a lot of talent on that team. And uh, we would travel around in this like 18 wheeler. Like, we had Team Devo had a truck like a legit truck and we would all like stuff in the back uh-huh. and we would drive to these Norva races around the country, like in Wisconsin and West Virginia. And yeah. yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was a really fun way to like spend the summers. I mean, we drove all around the country. That is so wild. So, were you... Yeah. I was able to balance it. Yeah. Would you, were you racing weekend and week out all throughout the summer? Would you like be able to come back to Jericho or how did that balance work? Yeah. Out? Yeah, it was a little bit, um, it would probably be like three weeks on, three weeks off, you know, like there would be blocks of racing, but I I can't even picture going to Middlebury and then racing under 23 World Cups. Like it didn't exist when we were like in college, but man, I, I don't know how those ladies do it. Like Kate and Haley Benton and it is intense. And I, I feel grateful that I was able to have both experiences at the same time. Like, uh, you know, I was able to fully immerse in Middlebury and like get that college experience as well as like, you know, start my evolution of my bike racing career. So I think it worked out perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. That's freaking amazing. Um, so yeah. <laughs> you at some point realize that there are an Olympics, you go on to become a two-time Olympian, 20. Yeah. 12 and 16. Yeah. We're in an Olympic year. Yeah. <laughs> Are we? <laughs> well, technically not anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> what is the, walk me through the process of what it's like being in an Olympic year in a global pandemic. Like how, yeah. I guess, what is your, what does your season look like? What, what has happened uh, let's timestamp it. What it's uh, April twenty fourth. So yeah, we're like a month and a half into this lockdown half thing. Into um, nothing happening. Yeah, exactly. It's um, you know, I was like all full gas, like green light going into this season. So it was all of my focus was on uh, the World Cup opener in Czech Republic. It was supposed to be May twenty fourth because that was like the most important um, qualifying opportunity. And I hadn't yet qual I haven't yet qualified for, you know, the total. And then, you know, hopefully everything went well there. And then I was focused on Tokyo. But uh, so I, you know, I left the earliest I ever have for Tucson. So mm-hmm. um, Fraser and I did our like Nordic ski trip to Norway. Nice. And then pretty much got back from that a week later. I went out to Tucson, got on the bike, and then 
uh, like a little bit over a month later, I went to over to Europe and I did a stage race in Greece or maybe two stage races. <laughs> it's hard to remember. <laughs> and then I went directly over to Spain and did the Andalusia stage race. And, um, you know, that's kind of when things, and that was so hard. And that's kind of when things were starting to like happen. Uh-huh. So we got, my parents came over and supported me, which was pretty cool. Nice. And awesome. yeah. And, um, and then we got out of there like just in time. And the plan was I was going to land in Vermont for like five days only and then continue out to Tucson, continue racing in the spring. And um, I got sick actually with, when I got home huh. uh, with pneumonia. Whoa. So like, yeah, which is wild because it's like, I got pneumonia, but not COVID. And I was like traveling and I got tested for COVID. Yeah. And through that testing, they gave me a CT scan of my lungs and that's where they found the pneumonia. And so then I got an antibiotics and then I've been here ever since. So it's like, why? It's why it's been wild. So how do you acquire pneumonia? Like, what's that? Not, I said, how do you, you're not an elderly person you're not otherwise i know ill is it because weird. is it because you're just putting yourself at such a high level of extreme exertion that you're more prone yeah how do you acquire pneumonia i think so i mean that was also my question because luckily they caught it early enough so i didn't it's not like the classic progression of symptoms where you have a cold it moves into your lungs yeah. either a bronchitis or pneumonia it was like it can be viral, it can be bacterial, and I guess you can just catch it like you do a cold. Like somehow an air droplet goes into your lungs, and it went into my right lung, and I had pneumonia. (laughs) But like, I mean, I think that race was so intense. Which one? And like, yeah, and it was like the first three days were going great, and then the last three days I was like, and I think I like, Got it. Then, because I also like crashed on day two, I think. And so I think that exertion mixed with like the crash and like, you know, as well as anybody, like when you crash, you can't sleep very well. I mean, I really laid it out. So like, yeah, yeah, I think it was just a combo of all those factors. But um, yeah, so it's been pretty wild. So like, and I was one of the like first 20 people that got a COVID test in Vermont. Thank God I didn't have it. I mean, thank God. Yeah. I would have felt so bad. <laughs> like I would have, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that's wild. That's absolutely wild. So yeah. um, mountain biking, unlike road racing, like uh, how much of a team are you on? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually on, I form like the mountain bike branch of the road team, Team 2020. Mm-hmm. Nice. And um, uh, last year, I was uh, on a team, like the mountain bike team with uh, a girl or a U23 rider, Sevilla Blanc, but um, she decided to go elsewhere. So I'm like solo, kind of like doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. with a mechanic, but mostly I'm with actually USA Cycling. So they provide all the all of the support, like uh, mechanics, one year, nice. um, lodging and everything, airport pickups for World Cup. So that's like, they're, they've been huge. I mean, I would not have 
been able to race World Cups without um, USA Cycling for the past season, like 2019. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the the reason I'd ask that is I I talked to somebody who races on a World Tour team, uh, and he lives in Girona, and Girona's you know cycling mecca for oh, yeah. racers. Mm-hmm. And so he gets a bunch of news about what's going on from his team, and he gets a bunch of news from like local friends that he has in town. Being when you're a, a team of one, um, yeah, on Team Twenty Twenty, like okay, obviously when when races are canceled outright across uh, across the schedule, that's an easy way to say I'm not going to go do that. Like, yeah, how are you going? <laughs> how do you how do you write down a schedule? How do you figure out what you're going to do day to day in order to get yeah yeah i know it's um it's actually great because i have a lot of flexibility Uh i mean i'm lucky that team 2020 is like okay you know how to do this like you know how to go to the olympics and qualify and everything so just they've given me the freedom to just be like okay do your thing you Uh know so i like set my schedule with my coach annie bishop and we just like Yep, <laughs> we map it out, it. and mm-hmm. exactly, we map it out and and make it happen, pretty much, and and we figure out with my team, you know, like here's the races that USA Cycling uh, can support. Here's the races that I need to go to to be prepared, and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm lucky that um, with Team 2020's support, I can do that, and USA Cycling. So then, pure logistics with any sort of uh, qualifier you want to throw in there. With one, what are the qualifying uh, criteria for the Olympics? And two, how do we pivot? How do you pivot right now going into 2021? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the <laughs> we were on the last um, kind of like rung of the qualifying period. So it was <clears throat> 2019 World Cup overall. 2019 World Championships at Mount St. Anne, and then it was going to be 2020 World Cup opener. And that was the most important one. And um, so obviously that's not happening. And everything's up in the air. Like, we don't know. I they ha- We have to get a race schedule before they can, like, set qualification criteria, you know? Right. But I'm I'm, like, you know pretty confident that we will have more opportunity to qualify and it will be, they'll do a good job and it will be fair. Um, But yeah, it's been rough, you know, just kind of not knowing having Mm -hmm. this whole like nebulous thing. And it's like, and are we racing? Are we going to be racing this season? We don't know. It's a big question mark. So I had um, like a hard time with that. I mean, like everyone's been having a hard time with all of their plans, like kind of be then thrown up in the air, you know, like whether you're going on vacation or you had a goal race to go to or the Olympics to qualify for, Um, except maybe for you, well, your race, your race, but you're like, I'm going to be at home with a newborn. <laughs> Everything is nebulous. I will say, if you're ever going to set a new a new normal as you yeah. a newborn, it's perfect to do that when the whole world is going through a new Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, this is called I normal. feel like that's kind of good timing for that. <laughs> um, but well, yeah. yeah, we're all, yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's hard to deal with. We're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats, you know? So yeah. I've like kind of been growing accustomed to it more and more and I, my motivation has been like gaining because at first I'm like 
I'm just going to like be at home and make pastries and like watch Netflix and go on like fun rides. I cannot look at a power meter, you know? (laughs) And then like, I've slowly been warming up. We've been getting more structure in. Now we're, we have structure like, okay, we're going to set this date. We're going to do a build for it. Yeah. And who knows, but it's, it's more, it's turning more into like an opportunity to work on weaknesses in a pressure free environment, which is actually like a, pretty beautiful thing so sure. that's yeah. perfect um, yeah i mean all the wrong circumstances to get there but it's kind of cool to yeah that, that freedom um yeah exactly i need to figure out what ride it was but i did um we annually do the super the cool thing called the tour x new england tour across new england it's typically yeah. six days 600 miles so yeah some bomber 100 mile a day ride um the one we did Amazing. last year we rode from connecticut to uh to burke vermont so basically yeah. the western side of new england and the day that we awesome. rode into manchester was like mind-bendingly good so where you are has so <laughs> many freaking good roads i need to like send you the route we did and you're gonna be like oh yeah i do that yeah uh, please so send it to me totally nice. i've been discovering like yeah, I feel like I'm laying down roots here, you know, because this yeah. is a new transition for me. It's like my second year living here. Uh-huh. And I, as you know, like I don't spend a lot of time actually here in Vermont. I'm like traveling around racing. So it's been like a really special time to be like, oh, this is cool. Sure. Like, yeah. I like it here. It's a, <laughs> the you're in a roads are amazing. Spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're baking pastries, as you may have mentioned. What are, you, what, are you, <laughs> yep. what are you doing in the kitchen right now? What are you baking? Um, currently, today, I'm making yogurt, Greek oh, yogurt. Wow. Yeah, in the Instapot. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we bought an espresso machine because that was the deal I made with myself. I'm like, you know what? If the Olympics are going to be postponed, I'm going to need a lot of caffeine to get through this. Like this whole extended training block of hard work. So we bought an espresso machine, which has been awesome. And I've been working on my barista skills and latte art. I Um, love how that started with, I made a deal with myself. You're like, okay, Leah, here's what we're going to (laughs) do. I rationalized it. I rationalized (laughs) it. Both sides agreed. Yep, we're good to go. Um, nice. What's um, your go-to I've, there? You're like a, a latte or a cappuccino? Latte. Okay. Vanilla okay. latte all nice. the way. And actually like we, I do a lot of decaf, you know, uh, so I can like practice a lot. Yeah. I can't smart. be like hopped up on too much caffeine. <laughs> I, I know for, a, yeah, I know that I'm consuming more caffeine in any given day totally. than I ever had before. And yeah. Eh. Yeah, there's gonna be like a, a, a decompression after the lockdown, right? You'd be like, "All right, let's yeah. go back to normal." Exactly. How are your barista skills? Um, pretty uh, modest to <laughs> below average. Um, okay. The first time that I used the 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 air pressure that makes the frothing of the milk. Oh yeah. Um, milk everywhere. I didn't know the, the process. <laughs> Naturally. Um, you know what we did recently, and this is not in any way a plug, you know how, um, the, have you seen how frothed iced coffee is a thing right now? Oh yeah. Like the whipped coffee or whatever. Exactly. Precisely. So the ingredients are 
sugar, instant coffee, milk, and ice. And I was like, sugar and instant coffee. Why don't we just use an untapped coffee, untapped packet? So yeah, it's two ingredients, coffee and maple syrup. And I I put the, we have one of those wands that's a frothing device. Creates the exact same froth. Put that over iced milk. Oh my God, it's amazing. Perfect. I gotta so try good. that. Yeah, yeah. You're selling me. You're right selling on. me. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay, here's one. Outside of perfecting your barista skills, <laughs> what is the weirdest thing that you've done amid a global pandemic? Oh, that man, that is a good question. Which could be anything. It doesn't like, are you watching something? Are you reading something? What do you oh, do outside of everything? Zwifting. (laughs) It's the first time that I got on Zwift, actually, Uh because I'm not used to being here with this weather that we've had in the Uh snow, and Uh it's been very cold and rainy. So I've been Zwifting. Is that the weirdest thing I've been doing? Probably. That's a Um, good good answer for a professional cyclist. My question, I'm not kidding, is typically, what what are you doing uh, now in a pandemic besides Zwift because everybody's doing Zwift. But I'm not yeah. asking professional cyclists because that is very <laughs> atypical. Like your job is to go chase good weather. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm also, I have a thing with cinnamon buns during the pandemic. Like I'm making cinnamon buns, a lot of them. That is, uh, with all due respect <laughs> to Zwift, that's a much better answer. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm also like using this opportunity to try to get my life organized. Yeah. So I like, you know, have been like doing laundry maybe and folding it. Like that's weird for me. I'm not the organizing force in this in this marriage. <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that was an amazing folding it. Yeah, like actually like folding it. it. Um so your Instagram handle. Yeah. Is more entertaining than most Instagram handles out there. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Leah eats a lot. It's it's both uplifting, but then I think especially to girls in a sport where both male oh, yeah. and female have, have tremendous and abundant eating disorders. Yeah. Leah eats a lot is a wonderful thing. You just mentioned cinnamon buns. Um, Thanks. Tell me about Leah eats a lot and how you landed on that. Um, I think because it's true, maybe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I really believe that, like, you know, every every food, like, has a time and a place. Like, it doesn't, just because you're a professional athlete doesn't mean that you have to be, like, you know, exist like a monk all uh-huh. around. Like, uh-huh. you can, you know, and, and the hashtag that I use a lot is happiness is, is fast. And I think food is like a big driving force behind that. So, I mean, I love my pancakes in the morning because I've, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty much like having cake for breakfast. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and um, recently, you know, it's like kind of whatever it takes to get out the door. And so I ordered like a huge variety pack of Haribo candy because I love gummies. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, what candy am I going to eat today? Like, I'm excited on my little gravel adventure. Oh, that's Um, amazing. And I, you know, I try to eat vegetables and I like don't really like salad. So I call like 
you know, my kind of salads are like hidden salads or like bread salad. Oh, exactly. Like, you can literally put yeah. salad at the end of everything. Like, exactly. okay, there's tuna salad, there's salmon salad. You can have a steak salad, yeah. Leah. Chicken salad. Those, yeah. That's my kind of salad. Okay, nice. Yeah. And is this been- But I try to eat balance. You know, like you eat my whole thing, and this is like the message that we try to get across in Little Bella's is you need to eat to fuel your ride. Yeah. Like you need to eat appropriately to be able to go out there and like hit your PRs and like, and to ride for three and a half, four hours. Like it actually takes a lot of fuel and it's, it's um, runs contrary to like a lot of the dialogue, like the common dialogue in cycling is, Oh, I ride so I can eat, but it's actually, yeah. that's like not true. It's, it's backwards. That's beautiful. That's outstanding. Uh, yeah. When I initially asked that question, that was the exact segue that I was looking for. I want to talk about Little Bellas with the quick it's like we caveat. planned this. Time. I know, this is perfect. <laughs> the, 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 like, have you always been able to have that perspective throughout your career? I mean, you know, you're not right now a 22-year-old racer who, who does see, you know, emaciated pro athletes and say, I need to be like that yeah. person. Like, have, have you been yeah. able to have that perspective? Yeah, I think I've been pretty lucky actually in like I have been able to have that perspective. And I and I think I like take a different I have a different personality, I think, than like most pro cyclists, which is like pretty they're pretty like organized and triple type A and like, yes, exactly. We're gonna hit the training and that's what we're gonna do. I mean, I definitely like get after my training and I do it like mm-hmm. to its fullest and to my best. But like outside of that, I'm like pretty fluid, you know, and flexible. And it's like, all right, I'm going to like in the moment, you know? So I think that lends itself to kind of having that approach, I think. But, um, and I also work with like a great nutritionist who we're like on the same page, you know? She's, She's like, like Haribo's, you, you need more Haribo salads. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I need more candy salads. She's like, you want to eat Haribo? Okay. Yeah. Eat them on your rides. And I'm like, okay, great. And then she's like, when, you know, when training gets hard, you're going to need some cake. And I'm like, this, you're my type of woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is perfect. It is amazing. <laughs> I, I know that, I mean, I, I was perpetually underfed through my career. Yeah. Like right now, I do not leave the house to go for a bike ride unless I know which coffee shop I'm going to visit. Okay. Outside of global. Yeah. Pandemic. But you go up to store yeah. right now, PK coffee has pickup pastries. So I rode to PK coffee. today. Perfect. That's so awesome. And it's just exactly like I'm, I'm fueled well now. So I'm putting out ridiculous power numbers that I never would have expected. Like better. You like think, five years removed. Career. I mean, I, I realize I, I, I know I weigh more because I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's goofy. Feel yeah. the ride. Exactly to your point. Yeah. Well said. Exactly. Yep. <sighs> um, okay. For the sake of the evening and and wrapping up in a normal fashion, <laughs> I wanted to dedicate a lot of time to Lil Bellas. Um, yeah. At what point in your life and your perspective and career do you say, I'm going to start a nonprofit? Like, how do, how do you, yeah. how on earth do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. But, you know, flying by the seat of your pants at the beginning. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, my sister, um, Sabe, also went to Middlebury. And so 
Little Bellows was born, I was graduated and um, she was a women and gender studies minor. And Little Bellows was actually her like senior year project. No way. And so, um, you know, she wrote our mission statement like for that project. And her advisor was like, you know, you don't actually have to do this. And she's like, I know, but we're doing it. <laughs> so we like, we banded together with this other woman, Angela Irvine, who is like kind of a, um, staple in the, you know, in the Chinning County, Vermont cycling scene, especially like the women's scene. And at that point there was, you know, there's the fellowship of the wheel, which is our local, um, chapter, you know, trail building chapter. Mm -hmm. And then at that point there was the fellowship of the wheel, which was like for older women. It was like the female counterpart. Cool. And we all got together and we're like, you know what, we got to start something for younger girls because we got to get more girls on bikes and, and provide them with better role models than are out there in, in popular culture. So that's kind of where the idea was the genesis of the idea. Perfect. And it's gone. Yeah. I knew of it as this very cool thing that we had started and it's here in Vermont. And then the next thing I know, there's like, there are chapters everywhere. What is the, what's yeah. the current uh, scenario? Um, we actually have, uh, it is nationwide. Um, gosh, I don't know how many chapters we have. I want to say upwards of like four, 30 Dang. or maybe, yeah, a lot of chapters, uh-huh. maybe 20 chapters, 30 programs. Um, But the thing I do know is that we have almost like around 1,300 girls um, signed up to get on bikes this summer, you know, before the pandemic hit. But Uh um, it's pretty amazing. One of my favorite stories that I heard, uh, I believe it was from one of the teachers, leaders, mentors, whoever it is, is yeah, you don't tell girls that they can't do something. So, like, if you get to a, a troubling scenario, you don't say, like, hey, watch out here, like, get off your bike and walk across it. Like yeah. you exhibit the task and you get across it. And when you don't, when you don't show them places to be scared, then they just like yeah. full send. So exactly. I mean, it's, it's such a simple principle. Yeah, it's but, like the growth mindset, you yeah. know? Oh, it's so right. Yeah. And it's but, okay to fail too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay. Like we're going to like, you know, fall down, even like, that's one of my main messages when I go and visit the program. Like, yeah, even, even pros fall, you know, like when, when we have a little bell that's crashed and it's kind of like sniffling, it's like, I get in there and I'm like, look at all these scars. (laughs) (laughs) I also crash and I get back up and like, yeah. yeah, So it's, there's some pretty like, I don't know, intuitive lessons that just like come out of the, come out of the program. It's pretty special. I mean, mountain biking in general, you're literally overcoming obstacles, you know? So it's like a good um, place to learn how to overcome obstacles that you're going to, you know, hit in, in your life in general. So it's, it's really fun. That's magic. Well said. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> um, Okay, wrapping up real quick. You are known for appreciating a quick breakout dance anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Um, I am, yes. So 
Instagram is our current popular social media of choice. Yeah. And I've been saying for a long time, like, ah, yeah, okay. Instagram like takes up a portion of my time and day. And like, I kind of can't wait yeah. to see what the next thing is. And TikTok is very oh my popular. Gosh. I, yeah. at this point, I'm also saying to myself, like, I think, I think I'm too old for TikTok. Me too. Leo. So that's exactly my point. Like TikTok seems like the perfect place to do like a quick dance, which is your jam and your MO. Okay. I know it's my jam. I don't know how to use it. I exactly. It makes me feel old. I literally don't know how to use it. Yeah. And I have like, you know, younger friends. I have this high schooler buddy in Tucson who I stay with her family. And I'm like, listen, Susie, yeah. can you show me how to use TikTok? And she like showed me, but I still didn't get it. I'm like, wait, what did you just do? I feel like my parents on FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it I is, do feel yeah. like, man, it would be the perfect medium uh-huh. for me because I would just post dance videos all day long. But if I could only learn how to use TikTok. You have, you have the length of one pandemic to learn. I think you can yeah. figure it out and dial it. Uh, and then so once you learn, you can goal. teach me how to do it. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's so goofy <laughs> to say exactly that. I just don't get it. But I am completely on the same boat. I know. It's funny how all social media is, is hinges around that, like, well, I don't get it kind of concept. Like, Instagram, yeah. what do you do? You take a picture and it's suddenly supposed to be like, well, I, I take 100 pictures a day. Why should my Instagram be any different? Yeah, uh, exactly. We're getting old, Leah. I know. The tender age of late 30s. <laughs> oh, LD. <laughs> old. <sighs> well, magical. My clock reads Yeah, this has been wonderful. This has yeah, been outstanding. It's been wonderful. TGIF. Yep. <laughs> well, you are dating yourself. <laughs> how good was that? Man, I love that yeah. show. Full house. Yeah. Uh, exactly. The best. <laughs> okay. Leah, I thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks, um, Ted. I wish you so a wonderful. Pumped I, we finally got to do this. I know this has been a long time. It only coming. took this a is sweet. It only took a global pandemic. That'll slow us down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right on. We'll make some make some cinnamon buns tomorrow, Saturday. Good day for some cinnamon buns. Yep. Uh, enjoy Will your do. your gravel exploration. Thanks, Dad. Leah, I thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs>